Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Today we'll look at faith and see how it comes with a cost and a choice. Obey God or obey man. As we choose to trust and follow God, our faith will increase and be strengthened, and we will see God move in extraordinary ways. Part three of Cheryl's message titled Scandalous Grace. So I think we've all heard these faith teachers that are out there, and they use faith as a means to get your own will accomplished. You know, if I just believe enough, then I can get that Rolls Royce. Or if I believe enough, I will be healed. And and they have this thing like, no negative confessions. I don't want to hear anything negative. And if you say a negative word, that's going to change everything. As if, as if we had that much power. They believe that if you have any problems, deficits, difficulties, sicknesses, and diseases, it is because you have not truly harnessed the power of faith. You do not have enough faith or great enough faith, powerful enough faith, or that your faith is inferior to their faith. You've got an inferior faith. I just have superior faith. Recently, I talked to a young woman who heard a Bible study on Job by one of these faith teachers. And this faith teacher said that Job was responsible for every trial he went through, for the sores and the blisters on his body, for losing his children, for the uh, robbery of all that he owned, that he was responsible for it because he lacked faith. And He lacked faith in that he offered a sacrifice for each one of his children, which was a negative confession. Because he was saying, my children are going to sin, so I'm going to offer a sacrifice. This faith person said this was a declaration of unbelief. It was a negative confession. Because instead of saying, I don't need a sacrifice because my children will never sin and they won't sin, which would be to say a blessing and a covering over them, he assumed they would sin. Obviously, this faith teacher has never heard Judge Judy because Judge Judy says, he's a teenager. Let me tell you one thing about a teenager. If their mouth is moving, they're lying. These Faith, so-called faith teachers teach that faith is a divine exemption or deliverance from the hardships of this world. Hebrews 11 verses 24 through 40 are the best rebuttal and the greatest evidence 
that that is not at all the case of faith. If this chapter teaches us anything, it teaches us that faith is a costly choice, that it always contains a crucible. You know, I was telling somebody my notes and they're like, what is a crucible? Now, I was raised with Bible words, so I just take it for granted that everybody knows what a crucible is. But it would be like the mint or the machinery that makes a coin, you know, that the gold goes into, is melted down, crushed, then, then you know, stamped with the image and comes through. It's the process by which a, a pot is, you know, the clay is formed and goes into the kiln and comes out glazed and beautiful. The crucible, it's the fire. It's the refining fire, the crucible. But faith contains a crucible. It will always be refined and purified. And thirdly, it constantly looks to the crown of Christ. Christ, the Messiah, is the reason for the crown. And faith looks always to Jesus. Faith is costly. Jesus said, In Luke 14, verses 27 through 30, verse 33, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Faith costs. It costs. I once heard an interview with Rosario Butterfield. She was a former professor of English and women's study at Syracuse University, and she is the author of An Unlikely Convert. I highly recommend that book. And when she began to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and she knew God was real by the witness of a pastor, a church, and through her own personal reading of the Word of God, she came to the conclusion that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, she realized that to follow Jesus would cost her everything. It would cost her her career, her reputation, the esteem of her colleagues, her lesbian relationship, and her identity and popularity. So she went to the church that Sunday so close to conversion, but so angry that it was going to cost her to become a Christian, that she decided to go up almost defiantly to different people in the church and say, what did it cost you to be here? What did it cost you to be here? Because sometimes we think I alone had to pay a cost. Nobody else had to pay a cost. But Jesus told us faith is costly. It will cost you everything. 
When she interviewed these different people, the first one said, it costs me my marriage. My husband said, if I was going to walk with Jesus, he didn't want to be married to me. Another said, it cost me my career. I couldn't stay in the career I was and exploit people the way I was doing to make money. I had to leave my career. Another said, it cost me my family. My brothers, my sisters didn't want anything to do with me. Yesterday, I was interviewing um, Debbie Kerner Retino. She was one of the very first hippie musicians to come to Jesus and phenomenal. She and her husband also did the Salty albums that your kids have probably listened to, or maybe some of you younger people listen to. But as I was interviewing her, she was, or she is Jewish. And when she received Jesus as her Messiah, her father held a funeral for her and said, you are now dead to me. It cost her the relationship of her family for a time but she knew Jesus was everything. As Rosario continued to interview people in this little church in New York, she found others that said, it cost me my best friend. It cost me my group of friends. Another said, it cost me my lifestyle. I couldn't continue the lifestyle I had. And my whole lifestyle changed. When my Aunt Isi listened to Amy Simple McPherson on the radio, was one of the first radios, and because she was married to a very wealthy man who was an architect in San Diego, they had gotten this radio, and she was listening to it one day. And the voice of Amy Simple McPherson came over it and talked about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. My aunt had never heard the gospel before. And as she listened... And when Amy Simple McPherson gave the, the, the call to salvation, my aunt got down on her knees and she gave her life completely to Jesus Christ. She was 23 years old, gave her life fully to Jesus Christ. When her husband came home and she told him about her decision, he said to her, it's either Jesus or me, but you can't have both. And as a new Christian, she tried for time to have both. And finally, he gave her an ultimatum. I told you, Jesus or me. And she made the decision, the hard decision, to give herself fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, knowing that this meant the end of her marriage and that she would never be married again. Knowing that it would cost her the house she lived in, the reputation that she had in San Diego as the wife of this successful architect. She knew the cost, but the decision to have Jesus as best friend and savior and constant companion was worth it all. There is a cost. It cost Moses' parents. They hid him for three months because they saw, verse 23, he was a beautiful child. That word beautiful means more like, oh, he's so good looking. We can't get rid of him. It's more than that. Beautiful has this quality of divine. They saw a divine call on him. They saw something so 
attractive, a, a spirituality and anointing already on his life. And so they hid him for three months. I, I just have to say this. The other day, my son called and he said, Mom, I'm just calling to say thank you for being my mom. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for, you know, raising me uh, with Bible stories. Thank you for making Christianity so irresistible. And he went on, and I'm, of course, you know, I'm a mess. I'm crying. My mascara is on my neck. I am just absolutely, it's the call you're waiting for. You know, from the time they're born, you know, their children, the, the word says, her children will rise up and call her blessed. It's a future event. And you just wait for it. You wait. You know, they have to have children before they can do this. Before they have children, they're like, yeah, you were there. Then they have children. And they have the children that test them. Then the call comes. Mom, thank you. And I remember I just said to him, Char, I knew from the day that you were born, that you were special. I knew that God's anointing was on you. I was worried that I wasn't up to the task. How do I raise this anointed boy with a call on his life? And I used to say, oh Lord, don't let me blow it. And then I had to tell him about all the times I blew it. You know, I'm just making this confession. Char, you were such an amazing, yet hyperactive child. You know, he was the type of child that if you took him out, he would run away because he loved to hear his name announced over the loudspeaker. So it was always whether I was at the mall or at the market. In fact, it got to a place where Brian said, I don't know that you should take him publicly without like a chain, you know, handcuffs. Because it would be, will the mother of Charlo Broderson please come to the front of the store constantly? Every time I went out in the mall, he's like, did you hear that? That's my name. I'm famous. <laughs> Moses' parents made the conscious decision to obey God rather than men. Acts 5.29, Peter says, we ought to obey God rather than men. Whenever the will of man or the edict of man comes in conflict to God's word, God's will, we ought to obey God rather than men ordered by the Pharaoh to kill all male Hebrew children. Moses' mother chose instead to hide her newborn, build an ark for his son, and then place him among the bulrushes of the Nile and then give him over to Pharaoh's daughter. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? This is by faith. You know, some of us have trouble just giving our children over to college, to releasing them. She had to take this beautiful anointed child, place him in a basket she made, 
and put him in the Nile River where there are crocodiles. Put him in the Nile River and then the very house that she was hiding him from is the very house that he was taken into, raised in, and protected by. Moses' mother and father did this by faith. It wasn't a natural thing to do. It was extraordinary. But they believed that God would protect him. They were not giving him to the Nile. They were not giving him to Pharaoh's house. They were giving their beautiful anointed child to the Lord. They were saying, Lord, even as Abraham with the sacrifice of Isaac, you are better able to protect my child. You are better able to work in my child than I am. Um, Cynthia, Izal and I were in leaders meeting and we were being reminded of the time when our two children were just about as far from Jesus as possible. And we, we began to pray when we realized how far they were. We began to pray together with a group of women for them to come back to Jesus. And God did bring them both back to Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. But at the time, I remember Cynthia coming into the prayer meeting and saying, I had the best lecture for my son. I mean, God gave me just this eloquent, powerful thing. I was just waiting for him to come home because I was going to give him this lecture. It was so good. And she said, the Lord said, you're not to give him that lecture. You're not to say this. You can pray this, but I don't want you to say this. And she said, why, Lord? And he said, because I can say it so much better. And he'll hear me, but he won't hear you. We give our children over to the Lord by faith. Faith. Lord, I birthed this child. I raised this child. But he's making decisions. He's in the wrong house, Lord. He's under the wrong influences, Lord. But he's yours. He's yours. I gave him to you. And I gave him to you to use for your glory. That's what they did by faith. Faith cost Moses' parents the absence of a son. The ability to read him those Bible stories, to remind him when he was 16, to keep him from the ways of Egypt. It cost them. In verse 24, we learn that faith cost Moses prestige, the prestige of being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In verse 25, we read that faith cost Moses affliction because he associated with the slaves of Egypt, the Jews. Verse 25 again, he made a choice against the passing pleasures of sin. He could have indulged. He could have been part of that great Egyptian society. My dad used to say that the greatest problem with sin is the fact that when it first introduces itself, it is seductive, it is pleasurable. If it didn't have this pleasurable aspect, no one would fall. You know, why do you break a diet? 
because the brownie is saying, you can have momentary pleasure. I know one friend of mine used to say, a moment on the lips, forever on the hips. But it's like this slave trafficker. It seduces, it gives pleasure temporarily in order to enslave, impoverish, and withhold. By faith, we understand the true nature of sin. This is only momentary, but faith is an eternal choice. Faith cost Moses all the treasure of Egypt, verse 27. Moses could have enjoyed the very best Egypt had to offer, the, the best housing, the best neighborhood, the best college, the best food as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Faith cost Moses the wrath of Pharaoh. Moses had to make the hard choice to not be liked, to not be favored, to not be wanted by Pharaoh. He endured the wrath of Pharaoh going back into the court over nine times to say, you must release the children of God. Let my people go. And to invoke the power of God against the rebellion of Pharaoh to God. You know, I don't know about you. I don't like to go places where I'm not wanted. It is the most uncomfortable thing to go to a wedding or a funeral or a meeting where you know you're not liked. And I've had to do that. That's been my experience. Moses had to do that in one of the most powerful places on earth. Faith cost Israel a lamb, verse 28. Those who sacrificed a lamb, who took a lamb out of their flock and killed that lamb and covered the threshold of their door with the blood of the lamb, were spared from the wrath of God when God's wrath was visited upon Egypt. Those without the blood of the lamb suffered a greater loss, the loss of the firstborn child, destruction of their firstborn. Faith cost Israel discomfort and drama. Verse 29, they had to leave Egypt. They were pursued by Egyptian armies and they had to walk through the Red Sea. I was going through a trial it was bad. Have you ever had a trial and the moment you pray, it gets worse? And you're like, wait, <laughs> I prayed. So let's get better. So you pray again and then it gets like worse. And you're like, Lord, am I praying the wrong way or am I not to pray at all? And the Lord says, just keep praying, just keep praying, just keep praying. But I was going through a trial and it kept getting worse. And I remember Dave Sylvester called me on the phone and I just told him everything. He, he, you know how it is. People just call you at the wrong time. I don't care if you're with progressive insurance. You need to hear what I'm going through right now. I don't care what you're selling. Let me tell you what's going on. And he happened to call at that moment and he starts laughing, which was not appreciated. And he said to me, oh, Cheryl, don't you know God always builds the drama? You know, God is the best storyteller. His stories and our stories become his story are full of plot twists. 
and suspense and drama so that the deliverance is so great, so noticeable that we never, ever forget. And again, we're told over again that these all receive a good testimony. It gives us a story to tell. Faith contains a crucible, an instrument of formation like a machine that makes a coin. The material goes in and is melted down, crushed, and then stamped with an image. Or the process by which the clay is formed goes into the kiln and comes out blazed and beautiful. Our faith contains a crucible, situations and circumstances that try and test our faith. They are opportunities to cry out to God and allow Him to work. As this happens, our faith is refined, purified and formed, just like the coin and the clay. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at the faith of Moses as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.